Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks like those good old-fashioned ices. I'm Rick Williamson, mm. your very best good movie buddy, and with me as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? Doing well. We're fresh. Fresh. We've, right we've, out of the movie. We've. This is the first time we are coming to you, not live, but we are coming to you from our gigantic hotel room in Boston, Massachusetts. If you've ever had a hotel room in downtown Boston before, you know that they are not gigantic. They are relatively tiny, but we've managed to bring our podcasting gear with us, and we had some free time, and no matter where we are, if we're on the road together and we got a few hours to kill, we're going to see a movie, right? By God, we did. Absolutely. We saw Atomic Blonde, a movie that you were particularly hyped about. I was pumped. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, He's Lady John Wick. Right. Charlize Theron, John Wick. So that uh, that that is what is going to be the uh, <coughs> the topic du jour today. But before we get into Atomic Blonde, um, obviously this year, not just with Atomic Blonde, but this year in general, has seen basically badass women in successful movies in sort of I don't want to say in ways we've never seen before. But certainly with Wonder Woman and with Atomic Blonde, you know, we have these two kind of new badass women. And so we wanted to spend this episode celebrating the women that kick ass in film, basically, because there has been a lot of them, even though this year, you know, it's kind of more prevalent than other years. There have been a lot of them. Yeah, it definitely seems like we're trending towards getting more diverse type of heroes and and by that i mean we're getting you know women heroes which is awesome i mean it's it's great to see the action stars i think um you know we've seen it lately in comedies with a lot of the we talked about it before in previous ones but some of the snl cast people getting a lot of great comedy roles right like the melissa mccarthy roles so there's a lot of great women in film right now getting good opportunities but we've never really had great ones in in the action realm um not i mean not as consistent as we're getting not as not in matching quality in box office and far be it from us two straight white males to to you know lecture anybody on anything but i mean the fact of the matter is is that in in 2017 and 2016 diversity is the name of the game and as long as it keeps producing excellent movies yeah I don't care. I'm I'm in. Absolutely. And I mean, whether it be women like Atomic Blonde, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel with Brie Larson, yeah. whether it be African Americans with Black Panther, uh, whatever it may be, if it's great filmmaking, I absolutely don't care. Well, and it's it's fun to see different lead characters. Absolutely, know, absolutely. I sh- I'm not one of those people who get mad just because like I oh the I mean. <laughs> Listen, I'm a, I'm a chubby, curly-headed white guy. Like, most <laughs> movies, most action movies There's aren't going to have someone I can personally relate to. Yeah. So I don't really give a shit about that. And, you know, we would have had, we actually had a, a couple of people who were really psyched about this movie who wanted to join us. My sister, Leah Theodosis, wanted to join us. Jessica Gallagher, Lindsay Friend, giving shout-outs to some of our friends, some of our other good movie buddies out there mm-hmm. who wanted to be a part of this. And unfortunately, with us being in Boston... 
they aren't with in Boston with us. So I just wanted to give a shout out, a quick shout out, because uh, y'all should definitely see this movie. This is badass. But there's been, as you were saying, a pretty wide history, especially in the last what 10, 20 years. Yeah, it's def- I think I think it's definitely picked up in recent years. I mean, because if we're thinking about you know the female action heroines, right? Um, Women who kick ass. I mean, really, my mind goes to you know, and doing a little bit of diving into it, you've got like the Resident Evil franchise, right? And Tomb Raider. Um, Mila Jovovich is very good at being a woman who kicks ass. She is. Resident Evil, Fifth Element, Lilu, Ultraviolet, which is not Ultraviolet. Mm, not yeah. one of the great ones. We'll get into some of the not great ones. Yeah. But um, but Mila Jovovich can crush it. You had like The Hunger Games, which obviously was huge. Of course. Um, and a lot of imitators. Yep, and a lot of imitators, like uh, the Legion series. Divergent, all, which, which is and, goes to the point of where like if, if we can make quality films with diverse casts, then it will become more and more successful. But if we make a bunch of Electras. <laughs> Electras. <laughs> Salt even Salt I mean, wasn't great I mean it made a lot of money But it wasn't great But like if you go further back Into like the 90s You had like Barbed wire with Pamela Anderson. Jesus Christ Which which That movie's not made for women Or Tank Girl No Exactly And, like, and you know what And again I'm a, I'm a straight white American male who, who, What do I know I'm pretty sure barbed wire Wasn't made For the general female audience I'm pretty I confident I don't think any female Came out of that feeling empowered I'm pretty confident in that <laughs> Um, but you know, like we got the Underworld series with uh, with uh, Kate uh, Beckinsale. Uh, we got Lucy. Yeah. Um, we got Charlie. I mean, even the Charlie's Angels movie, Charlie's Angels, and Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. They whooped ass all up and down those movies. Sure. And they're doing. They want to do another one. They're doing a reboot or <laughs> something. Um, well, and then you also had like characters that maybe it wasn't centered around them, but like. The, there was definitely, if you wouldn't call the female lead, definitely one of the one of the lead actors was a female, and they definitely killed it. And that would be like something like Alien or Terminator, right? You know, where you have, uh, you know, those female leads rising to the occasion and and killing it. From which I th- which I think is even more so badass than the other movies, because in the other movies, like. Uh, fifth element she's the fifth element she's the supreme being in resident evil she's zombie killer but in movies like alien the alien franchise with ellen ripley and the terminator franchise with sarah connor they choose to be proactive yeah which is most i mean not most but a quite a few women in, in film particularly those types of films action films horror films sci-fi films they're the damsel in distress they need help and those movies said fuck that ripley's the final survivor mm-hmm. sarah connor's grows from her she's the final survivor of the first terminator and grows into the total badass yeah. of the second one and I think that that's really cool. Did you know? I don't know if you knew this. Did you? Did you, did you know that Ripley was originally written as a man? I did not. She was, and I Which think also shares with the movie we saw today a, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. In that Atomic Blonde, at, at one point was a a male character. And I don't think that I think I don't think it's that hard. No, like I I don't understand why. Why this has to even be I mean I, I do understand why this has to be a conversation Because there is a 
a patriarchy. You know, it's been a man's world for a long time. Action movie stars and things like that. I mean, if you look at the uh, the old Grantland, we'll put the old Grantland action movie title belt. Yeah, like that has basically been shared between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone through the '80s and '90s, and then other various guys: Denzel, yeah. Liam Neeson, um, and you know, I think it's. I mean, obviously, I think it's getting better. Yeah. So this, this year has been fantastic. Well, and then that kind of brings up a point. Do you feel like? women are finally getting good stories, good scripts, whatever you want to call it, um, that they're finally getting good opportunities. Um, because we talked about some of the older ones right. that are some pretty of the shit terrible. ones. Um, or do you feel like we live in now in a society that's more receptive to that? Or, or uh, what, what's your thought on that? I think it's supply and demand, just like anything else. I think... Women make up the majority of this country. I think it's fifty-one forty-nine. Women to men, right? And if you keep women love seeing movies. That's it's this this it's this is a stupid thing to say. Like human beings like seeing movies. Sure. Men, women, straight, gay, whatever the fuck. People like watching movies. But if you keep throwing them movies where they don't like how they're represented and then counter that, and I'm saying a studio counters that with a piece of shit like Elektra or a half-baked franchise like Divergent, they're gonna, like, audiences know bullshit now. Yeah, well, and I I don't think a lot of those bad examples we have, like even Elektra, like, had nothing to do, I mean, Jennifer Gardner's, you know, has the potential to be great. Fine, yeah, she's been great in a bunch of stuff. But the story's terrible. Exactly. And, they half-ass it. You know, it's not like it had a great foundation because while you and I enjoy Daredevil, I don't think anybody really... It's, it's not pretty much foundation. universally known as a flop from that standpoint, And I think, too. I think from the, the 90s and the... I think if you look at the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, leading all the way up to today, the movies with really strong female characters were made by really strong filmmakers. And I think that it's just like any other movie. It's like superhero movies. Take the female equation out of it. If you give a superhero movie to Brett Ratner or a superhero movie to Mark Steven Johnson, who directed Daredevil and the first Ghost Rider, need I say more? Yeah. If you give these these superhero movies to journeyman directors who just crank out a job and that's it, you're going to get a subpar product. But when you can bring on quality writers, quality filmmakers to not only make superhero movies, but make horror movies and make sci-fi movies and make movies with women in the lead, then you're going to get quality filmmaking out of it. And I think the demand for that has risen, especially in the last few years. People are sick of it. Women are sick of it. Um, you know, the the the, uh, the homosexual community is sick of it. The, the African-American community is sick of it. And they demand better movies. And so the studio has to react. The studios say like, oh, shit. You know, people are clamoring for this stuff. And, and yeah, they've been dense and they're run by a bunch of white guys. But I think <laughs> now you are seeing that reaction, that that supply start rolling out to the demand it's always hard because filmmaking takes time it takes years to make a movie a year to two years to make a movie so when you have people in 2016 saying everything needs to be diverse now 
Like that's hard to do. But now that we're getting into 2017 and when we're getting into 2018 with with like a wrinkle in time and things like that, like you are seeing the fruits of the labor come now. And I and I have, I think it has nothing to do with the with the woman lead thing. I just think everybody knows that they need to try harder. And I think audiences are smarter now more than they've ever been so that when a movie doesn't try harder, they know. Unless it's a, a fucking animated movie about emojis, then that brings out a very specific group of person who gets angry in the ticket line. Don't, don't bring up emoji movie around Rick. I sw- oh my god, we were in line for this movie today. We're, we're, we we listen. I have an AMC premiere pass. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize for this. I've earned it. I've paid my way, <laughs> and so I get in the premiere pass line, and they call me up. Okay, next premiere pass person. They call us up, and the lady next to us in the regular pee online freaks the fuck out and it's like you know when are you gonna call this line like what what order is it and i tell the i i I tell the lady we turned i turned over to her and i was like listen i'll use the self kiosk right here you go ahead and take care of it and she walks up and she's like bitching about the ticket price and she's like 3d to the emoji movie and it took every ounce of strength in me david (laughs) to not turn and be like are shut the fuck up like Oh, I was hot. I was so hot. If you're going to be that shitty about a movie, be shitty for a good movie. Ricky's really excited about the Emoji movie. God, that's what I'm talking about, though. Like, shit is easily recognized, relatively easily recognized now. Maybe not so much in the animated films because people think that they can put their kids in front of anything. Whatever. Well, thinking about, I'm done. I'm thinking about good movies, uh, are we... T- well, put it this way. Are we in peak... Charlize time right now absolutely and she hasn't we were talking about is she taking over that next action role I mean this was a huge step in it I Mm -hmm. mean looking back through her movies her most recent movies we'll read through them here real quick yes Uh, obviously Fate of the Furious obviously Uh, gotta bring her in there she was voice on on Kubo Um, she was in The Huntsman both of them and she was in Mad Max. Those are really the big ones that she's been in. Right. Uh, she was in A Million Ways to Die in the West as well. But Oh, yeah. That was uh, more of a comedy than a sure. Western. But she's branching out. She's being diverse. And I think, yes, I think if we want to bring... Obviously, we did not come up with the concept of the action movie title belt. Mm-hmm. We're crediting Bill Simmons and Grantland for that. But I think now... I think it's. I think very much like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock wrestled for the belt over and over and over again. I think right now that action movie title belt is a two-way street between The Rock and Charlize Theron. Well, here's the thing, that's a little tough about it because like she was obviously in Fate of the Furious, but nothing she really does is like action per se. Like in she's that, a, she's a hacker. She sitting shoots in there. people. Yeah, for sure. Um, you Safer. know, even even Huntsman like. She's got kind of she's got magic like she's like stabby. Yeah. She's got the stabby tentacles and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's not like she's, she's got not, that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm holding off. This was look. This was it. I mean, if you're gonna put her in conversation, then you have to say Keanu's back in conversation. Keanu's back in the conversation. He is. There's a lot of people in the conversation. There are a lot of contenders for the belt, David. But who's the title holder currently? I mean, this one definitely. I gotta say, it's Charlize. Yeah, I mean, this movie though, I think is what did it for her. Sure. I don't think it's all the. I think Mad Max. I think she won it with Mad Max, because, come on, that movie, and her in it is dope. 
Absolutely. And I think she's held on to it despite her number one contenders, obviously The Rock. I feel like you have Keanu. I feel like you have literally any of the Chris's, Pratt, Hemsworth, um, Pine, and Evans could challenge for the title belt. Bounty Jr. But to me, this is the one that that secured it. Because the thing about Mad Max even, like if there was one thing that you were going to give a knock on, and this kind of, we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we get into like the review of the actual movie, but most of the time in female-led action films right you don't see the female character like while they get beat up like you don't see them to the level that we saw in this movie right like get the crap beat out of take them. it yeah take, take it, it like and they also can give, it. give it a sure. crazy amount as well uh, but i think that to me like further cemented her in oh that for role. sure like she was amazing in Mad Max. Love the movie. Great movie. Love her character. And right. she's amazing in it. Um, she got the shit kicked out of her in that movie, too. She got blood. She's getting stabbed. Sure. She got sure. blood transfusion. She's bleeding all over the place. Sure. She's like, remember me? Pulls the goddamn guy's <laughs> face off. That's true. That's like, true. she got the those, those Those two probably have cemented her in that role. I mean, because you've got the Resident Evil movies, but... They're just not. She keeps great dying movies. and coming back, yeah. <laughs> and they're really not. They're. I they're mean, really those not are not great movies. movies, but they've made six of them. That's true. Inexplicably, so, people keep because they're cheap, and because they make them for forty million dollars, and they make eighty million dollars. It's true. It's profitable. It's profit. I get that, um, but I think number one, I think the top woman action star, I think is absolutely Charlize. Absolutely. I don't think there's even. I don't even know if there's a second place top act move woman action star. Gal Gadot, maybe for Wonder Woman. Because of Wonder Woman alone. Because of but Wonder I, Woman I don't alone. Think you, I don't think you're going to suddenly see Gal in a bunch of action movies. If it was two years ago, it, it was Jennifer Lawrence, obviously. Sure. But Jennifer Lawrence gave up her title belt. She retired from the action movie. She's in that David O. Russell. She's in that David O. Russell period of her life. It's like if she retired from wrestling and became like the GM or pulled the Daniel Bryan. Now, now, she, now he's the GM. There you go. We're letting a little wrestling seep in uh, to this conversation. But, but yeah, I think Charlize Theron is on one hundred percent the top woman action star. I think she took it from. Jennifer Lawrence, if we're talking purely women action stars. Um, but I think her and The Rock, I think it's back and forth. I think The Rock had it before her. I think she's got it now. I think The Rock with Jumanji and DC, and he's doing, he already fought the earth in San Andreas. Now he's basically doing the towering inferno in Skyscraper. <laughs> like, I love The Rock. The Rock's going to be the next president. I'm very excited about this. But don't get me started. But I gotta give the title belt to Charlize. Right. I gotta, I got, I'm gonna say it. All right. We actually, you know what? Before we, uh, and before we get in to the actual thoughts of Atomic Blonde and whatever, we, as always, asked you, the listener, who your favorite badass women in film are, and we got some pretty good responses here. You know, some people <laughs> didn't stick with film. They don't follow the rules sometimes. That's okay because we're going to read them all off anyways. <laughs> um, and Austin Frankie, particularly, I'm going to get to at the end. I, I appreciate the feedback, Austin Frankie, but I think this is like the second or third time where I feel like you're trying to upset me. 
and it didn't work before, but we're getting close. Anyways, as always, we are always looking for your feedback on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And so we asked you, uh, the listeners, who are your favorite badass ladies in film? And we got uh, a few responses, most of them on Facebook this time. Drew Streeter brought up Ellen Ripley. David J. Williamson brought up Laura Croft. Um, my sister, Leah Theodosis, uh, brought up the new Star Wars. That's not one we talked about. Yeah, we didn't talk about her too much. Star Wars. Both of them. With, with The Force Awakens, and Force Awakens. And with Rogue One. Two of the highest grossing movies of the last two years. Run by women. It's great. And she she said the, the Star Wars movies, not only Rogue One, but also uh, The Force Awakens. And also Mad Max Fury Road, Furiosa Road uh, is amazing. Uh, our former guest host, Jeremy Nakano, mentioned the Angel of Verdun. Do you get that reference? No. The Angel of Verdun, a.k.a. the Full Metal Bitch, which was <laughs> Emily Blunt yes. in Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. Uh, I her name escapes me. I know it was a very Polish name. It was like Radzikowski or something like that. Um, it wasn't Radzikowski, but you, you get the idea. <laughs> it was Rita. It was it was Rita. I did poor research on my part. Um, but uh, Emily Blunt was amazing in that movie. And Emily Blunt, you know, she if she wanted be, to. Uh, isn't she coming up in, uh, is she in Thor? Who's it? No, that's Kate Blanchett. No, Kate Blanchett's coming. No, uh, Emily Blunt's going a different direction. She's, she's Mary Poppins. That's true. Slightly different <laughs> Slightly direction. Different direction. <laughs> but Emily Blunt was a contender when she, she, she was a badass in that movie. Um, Alex Gerhardt mentioned a few from the small screen, um, like, uh, Shaw on person of interest or Fiona on burn notice. So brought up a couple of uh, of of female strong female characters in TV shows, which I think you get a lot more in TV shows, specifically these ensemble, you know, cable yeah, television well, Game shows. Game of Thrones is given us a number of exactly. strong female characters. Leah Theodosis mentioned she she gave us a second uh, uh, a second post that she mentioned Khaleesi and she mentioned Arya. Mm -hmm. On Game of Thrones as the two strong female leads there, which very true, very much so. Um, and then Charlie Chapman uh, went with Sarah Connor. Uh, he was going to say Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton, but Carrie Ann Moss is probably the most badass. Trinity in the Matrix. It's very hard to argue that Trinity in the Matrix is not She's the awesome most badass. And the last but certainly not least, uh, uh, certainly not least Austin Frankie. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts about this, David. Austin Frankie suggested uh, Juno. I think Austin Frankie just likes to push your buttons, just like uh, a Curtis Ware comment there. Just stirring the spoon, grabbing a big stir, stir spoon, and stirring the pot. Uh, but as always, you know we want to hear your your feedback. So give us a follow on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. And that takes us into. The central movie, the movie that we just got out of not two hours ago. Now, odds are you're probably listening to this on a Wednesday. We're recording on a Saturday. So it's it's after the movies come out. It's after the reactions come out. But but we're coming in fresh on this. We saw Atomic Blonde here in Boston. And, uh, and we're going to do a little uh, recap of the film. So no spoilers starting off spoiler-free. And this is a movie where... David will argue that you should very much go in spoiler free, but David, why don't you give us give us a little setup with Atomic Blonde? 
So basically, Atomic Blonde, we're following Lorraine Broughton. She's a uh, top-level spy for MI6, so British intelligence. And she's basically going to Berlin. And we're in the 80s here, so we're late 80s, right before the wall comes down. Um, so we're in a very much shady time of, you know, people crossing the border, all that kind of stuff. And basically the reason she's dispatched to Berlin is because a undercover agent just got killed and they are trying to track down this list basically, uh, that has a list of all the agent names that, you know, we're, we're going back to uh, mission impossible knock list. list. Yep. We're going to, for some reason, it's a it's a popular uh, wanted item of well, the names of all the agents across. When the, it comes uh, to espionage, the most valuable currency you have is your identity. Right. So, uh, but basically, we we get her uh, going to Berlin. The established agent that's on site is uh, James McAvoy's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's David Percival, and basically, they're trying to track down this list. Uh, and then there's lots of other sort of plot lines in there Twists trying to get uh the guy who created the list across the uh from east to west there's and a double agent there's a double agent floating out there that we learn about and kgb you know we got john goodman who's the uh the cia representation yep. there yep. um so we got a, a a whole band of characters so it's definitely i think a lot of people went into it expecting john wick obviously because it's one of the Count one me. of the directors that brought you John Wick. Count me as one of them. And if you watch the preview, it's a lot of fighting. I mean, that's the majority. A couple James McAvoy witty comments, but yep. it's pretty much Charlie's fighting a bunch of guys um, in a lot of really great clips that got me pumped about it. Uh, but really, it it truly is a spy movie. At the end of the day, it's this, very much an espionage movie. It's it's one of those where you may not always know what's going on and i know you've got a lot of thoughts on that but (laughs) as you go through it there's a whole lot of like twists and turns and thoughts going out there and who the heck is this and what role are they and who's this guy and all that kind of thing so to me it's very much your like traditional spy movie that you're trying to figure out what's going on and who's the bad guy who's the good guy who's the devil agent all that kind of stuff um but obviously, it's a, it's a movie built on the action, just like John Wick. I mean, the the action scenes. I think everybody is probably going to say the best scenes from this movie are the action. Uh, it's got a fantastic soundtrack. It does. Um, a, a soundtrack curated of '80s classics, killer '80s classics in it, um, which some people shit on because we've heard these songs before. But that's why they're classics, assholes. Yeah. Listen, I love a movie driven by some good music, and uh, it doesn't always have to be some massive score or, you know, cool things like that. Sometimes it's great pop culture music uh, that fits. Nothing can change the feeling you get when the... When the beat of under pressure kicks in, bum, 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 bada, bum, bum. I literally started drumming on my cup. You can't help it. Exactly. So uh, that's kind of the the rundown of it, but uh, I know Rick... This was, uh, you have mixed feelings on this. I have some thoughts. I feel like I have cultivated it into a a line that you could put on the DVD cover. This All is right. what it is. It's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy with <laughs> way more dirt bags and a lot more fighting. 
That's pretty much <laughs> what it is. It's very espionage oriented, okay? And I, you know how I get. I'm currently working on an article that you can find at popcorndietpodcast.com. It's not up yet, but it will be up soon about how movies are sold and marketed. And most of the trailers for this movie marketed this as Lady John Wick. And they weren't inaccurate because it's pretty good. The action sequences in these movies and the fight sequences in these movies are pretty fucking great, right? But there was certainly a lot more espionage in the movie, a lot more double twists and a lot more meet with this agent and why are you being followed rather than ass kicking than I thought there would be. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But all I'm saying is that I went in with certain expectations. Having known the spoilers, I I read the brief spoilers. I knew how the movie ended. I tried to follow along with the this person is this person. No, he's not this person. And I tried to follow along with that stuff. And I was a little confused at times. I I was confused about the KGB hitman and where that guy fucking went because he disappeared for the majority an of the hour movie. and fifteen minutes of the movie. And then I was confused about who the double agent is, who's this person, who's that person. I got a little confused afterwards, after I was able to, you know, kind of put my thoughts together and and piece it together. I got it, and we'll talk about that in the spoilers a little bit. Um, but the the espionage shit kind of confused me a little bit. Um, kind of in the same way Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy was like, <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. Who's this guy supposed to be? Who's the bad guy? Do you just not understand Brits? Is I guess it? not. I guess it's Brits and just e- e- Eastern Europeans in general. <laughs> um, although the Brits aren't Eastern Europeans. But um, that being said, it's 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 a really good movie. Like Like you said, the soundtrack kicks ass. I love the aesthetic choices in the movie. Um, and I'm not talking about like the set design, but I'm talking about like just the title treatment, the way the title Atomic Blonde works and looks on the screen. Like I want that as my desktop background. <laughs> um, the way that they use spray paint for, you know, we're in East Berlin, we're in West Berlin and it's, yep. I dug all of those aesthetics. Um, it and looked the, great. The it movie looks looked fantastic. like a million bucks. This, and like we said before, the soundtrack is great. The cast is, I mean, stacked. Mm-hmm. You got obviously Charlize Theron. You got James McAvoy, who is really great at playing an intellectual, but also then playing a total shitbird as well, which he kind of does both in this movie um, without any spoilers. Um, but he's I mean, it's not spoilers to say he's a fellow agent that's shown yeah, he's he's absolutely. her contact. Um, you have Toby Jones bringing a little class to the proceedings. Mm-hmm. And then you have John Goodman, who I feel like we are in a small little golden renaissance in John Goodman right now where he shows up in really interesting movies. And you kind of are like, hey, John Goodman's in this movie where you got 10 Cloverfield Lane. You got Kong. You got this. Uh, Hail Caesar. He was in Hail Caesar, wasn't he? Was he in Hail Caesar? He might have been in Hail Caesar. I think he was in Hail Caesar. Um, I mean, there's a I, I, and John Goodman's, again, he's just kind of a quiet badass in this movie. And I really I really dug his character a lot. Even though his character was the CIA guy, uh, I really enjoyed it. He was in Argo. Um, he makes really interesting movies. No, he was the other. What was the one where he Monuments was? Monuments uh, Man. Monuments Man. That's yes. what I was thinking. The other yes. Clooney one. <laughs> Not to mention, he's... 
he voices a transformer, so you know, good on him. That's true. Getting that transformer money, uh, which it only took them, you know, four movies to start getting recognizable voices for their transformers. That gave them a little bit of goddamn character, but whatever. Um, and yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I would give it a solid B. I think it's a solid B movie, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. Um, I think John Wick is a better action movie because it is an action movie. Um, but other than that, that was pretty good uh, without getting into too many spoilers. Now, again, I fully say, like, I was confused by the espionage, and if we want to fight about it, <laughs> we can fight about it. But I, I certainly was expecting a little more action than what we got because the action is a little light. There's about four main action sequences with a few little quick skirmishes here and there. And that's not, I mean, John Wick is literally nonstop. So. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely less action than that of John Wick. Um, for me, I, I'd probably score a little bit higher. I'd go like a minus for it. Um, I think one thing that, you know, definitely needs to be said is the job that Charlize does. I mean, cause she just gets physically just thrown all over the place and it's a it's an intense role for her and there's times where she's bleeding from all sorts of places <laughs> um, and <laughs> that the one scene and I know uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more but the one scene where uh, they're in the stairwell and then into the apartment and those things there's some fantastic action scenes that come out of this and I think those alone give it a lot of credibility and I think you know, it doesn't have as much action bec as John Wick because it is a spy movie. And so there's this spy storyline that you you can't just you would have been even more lost if they put the amount of action in that John Wick had. John Wick is a very simple story. John Wick is they killed it's my a revenge dog. story. They killed my dog. I'm going to kill them all. Yeah. There's one little twist in it when you don't know if his one buddy is on his side. Right. Or not. And then the second movie is even more simple. Exactly. Like, it's very simple, straightforward. So, overall, we'll, we'll move in some, through some uh, spoilers in here and talk about some of our favorite parts of it. But uh, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, uh, I think we both agree it's a great movie to go see. I think it's definitely one that I would say you're going to enjoy more in the theaters. Um, yeah. Just because of the soundtrack so awesome. It looks fantastic. Um, all the neon and that kind of stuff. It's very much an 80s movie, which is fun. Set in the too. 80s. Um, I, feel like, I feel like seeing it in the theater lends you to pay more attention to the plot as well. Yeah. It's um, not one you want to just to like have on the side while you're trying to do something else. Because you'll be fucking lost. You'll yeah. be like, Who, wh what? Who's this person? Because there's even things like you need to see on the screen that aren't necessarily spoken throughout the movie. Right. So right. it's definitely one I suggest seeing in the theater or paying attention when you're uh, finally renting it and, and seeing it at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with that, we'll move into some some spoilers and uh, talk a little bit more details about it. Yep, spoilers from here on out. We're going to spoil it. If you, if you don't want to be spoiled about Atomic Blonde, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. But let's get into it. 
You're what's, what's what the this? fuck happened? How how are you not following? Okay? okay, okay. So let's break this down. Okay, so the start of the movie. Number one, I don't like the device. I'm not a huge fan of the storytelling device of. Uh, you're in this uh, fucking interrogation room. Basically, what True Detective did. Kind in the first of, season. kind of, yeah. Except True Detective was infinitely more. Compl- well, it had a. It had the episodes. benefit of it had ten hours to it develop had 10 the hours. story. Um, but I don't like the device of where we're starting the movie and she's in the interrogation room and they're basically like, "What happened on this mission?" I will say the way that it started with her. In the ice bath, just already beat to fuck. Like I'm okay. I'm interested in that. You know something led to shit went down. You're about to find out how she yeah. is in the state that That's she's in. That's basically like what the audience cares about is how did you get the shit kicked out of you that bad? Um, but for me, it turned from the list and oh, we have to find this list. And this is the man is Spyglass, and Spyglass created the list. And your contact is James McAvoy. And then all of a sudden, there was the fucking double agent. And it's, you got to find the double agent. You got to find, uh, what was even the name of the double agent? I couldn't remember the name that they were using. Satchel. Satchel. Which, that's the other thing. Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, Satchel, Spyglass. These are very British fucking secret names that just, <laughs> if we're being completely honest, aren't They're that Brits. interesting. <laughs> Like, if you're going to use, like, like use more interesting code names. Sorry they're not using the Terminator. Satchel? Really? Satchel? Why not give them the code name of Man Purse? Like, <laughs> I, I, regardless. Um, there gets to the point where she, she gets in. She's immediately found out. Like, literally, she is picked up by KGB people and quickly beats the shit out of them in their car. James McAvoy shows up, picks her up. He's supposed to be her liaison, and he's gone a little off the reservation with yeah, it, uh, for his time in Berlin. Illegal dealings yep. of genes and, and Jack Daniels. Jack and Daniels. All. And then, you know, they kind of, you know, oh, we're going to look for some leads. Oh, there's not really any leads. Oh, well, okay. I'm going to go to his apartment. And then all of a sudden, like, there's cops at the apartment because James McAvoy called them. And I'm immediately confused. Like, did he purposely do that? Which we find out maybe he did. Did he accidentally do that? Which is what she says. Like, I told him I wanted to go to the apartment. He should have warned me about calling the police. Like, I was immediately confused because, like, is James McAvoy a bad guy? Like, this quick? That didn't seem like a very solid way to explain that. And I felt like the satchel thing just kept coming in and out. And there weren't any, like... There weren't any leads. You had three good spy characters, good guys. Mm-hmm. You had Charlize Theron, you had James McAvoy, and you had Sofia Boutella as the French spy. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is KGB or whatever. And so out of those, is that, am I supposed to think that one of those three are the bad guy, uh, are, are Satchel? And then if James McAvoy called the cops, well, okay, he's immediately Satchel, but then they keep acting like there's this gray area. And I was like, I'm fucking confused. Like, what is happening? And then McAvoy keeps being cool, but then he's not cool. And I guess that's sort of the point. I guess the fact that he didn't turn out to be Satchel, I guess the point was that he was just a piece of shit. Yeah, well, I mean, a couple things. First off, to me, 
right from the start, it's kind of established that James McAvoy doesn't want her there. Doesn't right. think it's the right call for tracking down this list. He's basically gone native in Berlin. Like, he doesn't give a fuck about he, the job anymore. He says, well, hold on on that. Okay. Um, he says, you're going to, because the whole cover that she comes in is, you know, recover, getting the body and that. And he says, you know, they're going to send you back right away as soon as you get there and get the body. Right. Like, this seems like a stupid idea. Right. You're going to get out of here real quick. And she basically says, it wasn't my plan from that standpoint. Um, but then, you know, he even makes the comment of, if I was going to follow you, you would never know, like things like that. There's just little seeds that he puts in there. Like, I don't like you being here type of thing. Sure. And before she even went there, C, which is, I kind of laughed at because it kind of <laughs> reminds me of like Q or M like, or, or, I M guess, or yeah. apparently British people. You just give the I, that might be man real, behind the curtain a single letter as Americans as who knows that might be a real thing. It I might be. I don't keep up on my <laughs> six. So but so you had those little things. But when she left, C said, don't trust anyone. Like even though they just said you're going to work with this British agent. Right don't trust anyone right. basically so you're already planted of like i don't know whether we can trust this guy that kind of thing like right. but then like in the end like you said when we find out that he's not satchel he sees that she is satchel right obviously spoiler um <laughs> sorry if you're still listening assholes <laughs> <laughs> but you see earlier in there when he recovers the list when he gets the list from killing the he kills KGB, the KGB guy who disappeared for an hour yes disappeared for an hour I, I do think that was a little silly um but he looks and he sees who satchel is which we don't get to see we just see like him quickly scanning through it and then the word satchel right and then maybe he, he sees his name then he gets on the phone and says i'm very, you know, close, I'm to very close to satchel basically but then when she's about to kill him he basically says like I'm going to have tea with the queen type of thing. Right. Like I already sent it there because I want the props for recovering this right. and that. And so it's like, you think he's this sleaze bag the whole time, but really while he is and he's, lo he's just looking out for himself the whole right. time. Like he's, He's but not he never looking out for king and country. I mean, he's still doing the job, right. but he only Be cares about himself. But he never did send the, the list because the list was still on his wrist. Sure. He was and bullshitting he, And he the whole claimed time. that he was going to go home to the queen, and, but who knows? He might have been going somewhere else so he could sell it. And hmm. so when... And so I don't... So who... Let me see if you can answer this question. You don't, you don't have it up on your computer, nope. so you can't cheat. But why was Satchel the double agent who were they a double agent for? Who were the two parties? Why was Satchel, why did they need to get taken out? Well, he doesn't say taken out. He's also, well, he says, C says, there's also a double agent who's been causing us headaches. Right. And we want him or her dead or alive. Sure. If you get the chance. Like, okay. Number one priority is the list. Get the list. But if you run into this Satchel character... Take we him want out, him bring him in. Dead or alive, one or the other. Okay. That's fine. It's giving us headaches, that okay. type of thing. I think it's safe to assume that they were working, they were double agenting between Brits and the KGB. Right? I Soviet? mean, kind of, she was 
in essence, almost like I don't know if this is a thing, but a triple, a triple agent, agent because she no, but she was because it seems like okay, the two sides she was definitely playing. Number one, we should state Charlize Theron is satchel. Yeah, yeah, if you didn't hear me drop that earlier, then Charlize we'll Theron is the triple agent. <laughs> yes, inexplicably, so she she is a British agent first and foremost, right? Who is satchel? Which satchel is a Code they name. say Commodore Satchel when she's finally revealed as it. Right. So obviously the KGB is the other side it, for to make her double. Okay. But then the end, she gets on the plane with John Goodman, and she's saying they're saying let's go home right. to Langley. So obviously she is also somehow working with the CIA. I actually just pieced it together in my head right now. Okay. I actually just I unlocked the code. Yeah. Okay. So. Satchel is a British agent that's selling secrets to the KGB. We find out it's Charlize Theron. Yep. Charlize Theron is the British agent selling secrets to that rich KGB fuck. Yep. And so at the end of the movie, she's in the interrogation room and she's like, Mo, I don't know who Satchel is. I don't know where the list is. She then goes to KGB douchebag's apartment and is like, uh, here's the list. And he's like, we're going to fucking kill you. Yeah. And she murders everyone, as you do. Yep, absolutely. Drops her accent. I yes. don't know if you caught that. I saw that. Drops her accent, starts speaking American, and she's like, I don't work. Let's get one thing straight. I don't work for you. Yeah. Murders everyone. Gets on a plane with John Goodman. John Goodman's got the list. So. Let's go home. To, she's an American Let's agent. go home. She's not a. So this posits that the CIA planted. inserted her into British intelligence for the specific purpose of playing British intelligence and KGB against one another to get this list for themselves. So now they have all of the... And they, as we know, the CIA would never use it for nefarious reasons. But there's also little hints at times that maybe this list has all agent, like not just British agents. Okay. Like to some Cause point. Because the, the guy is a... What is he? The... um. The agent, Spyglass, he's a Soviet defector. Yeah. So it could have Soviets on there as well. Yeah. What well, I think, my biggest problem with the film is I don't think it played up the mystery of who Satchel was very well. Like, I think what they were trying to do when James McAvoy saw Satchel on the list was, I think what they were trying to do, this is how I interpreted it, was he saw his name on the list and was like... Okay, I'm on the list. I'm very close to Satchel because it's me. Like, I thought that the movie itself was trying to play with those expectations. Did I completely misread that? Or did they no, try? No, I, th I think it definitely tried to make it present it like he was going through the list, seeing if it was legit, basically, doing his homework before right. he sold this to see whether this was legit. He's reviewing through the list and sees who Satchel is. Right. And. He doesn't give off the reaction of, aha, like I figured out that Charlize's satchel. He just kind of sees it. He just kind of sees like it and is like, kind of like, there it is. Right. So it could be the, there it is. There's my name. They, if someone gets their hands on this, like, because then shortly after that, because does that happen before or after the, the scene where they, uh, the botched rescue attempt basically that happens before the bosch rescue okay so i mean the transfer yes yeah that happens so before, in essence which we have to talk about 
So in essence, she it could have been the whole reason why he shot Spyglass right. was because he had the list memorized and that's basically taking care of one list by killing the only other guy who knows that right. he is Satchel. So it definitely plays up that he's Satchel and that's obviously, you know, one of the big twists at the end is which proving I feel that like, she is Satchel. Which I feel like they mishandled. Like, I feel like they it wasn't a big enough reveal when she was like, I'm going to tell them that I got Satchel. And he says, oh, so that's how you're going to play it. Like, that really wasn't played very large, nor was it played very large. I understood it when they played the audio tape and it showed her splicing his words mm-hmm. into a message that made him seem like Satchel. Satchel. I picked up on that. Yeah. But I don't feel like it was done very dramatically. I thought that it was way too subtle. I thought that the movie needed that. Like, it had this sort of central mystery that it didn't really treat as a mystery. And it kind of frustrated me because even though I picked up on it, it really wasn't any it wasn't satisfying in any way. Well and and part of it too was she like she wore these bugs at times throughout it. Right. But it never really seemed like anything she ever got was of any significance. Right. When she talked to people. Like it seemed like her talking with uh, the Russian KGB guy got botched by the French intelligence right. lady coming up. Right. And she was going to be trying to get some kind of information there on sure. tape that got screwed up because she walked up. Yeah. So I do think, you know, definitely the way it could have been way better done. I think it probably got muddled by they tried to pack in too many things like because you basically had three spy storylines in there right you had satchel you had spyglass and then you had this list right and the list for the majority of the movie isn't really like it's not like the knock list it's in, not in, in mission impossible the where r- like you know where it is right and you've got to get it and the Ruski kind of has it and then he disappears for an hour and a half somehow with all the contacts that the KGB has and British intelligence has and Amer- CIA intelligence has they're somehow not able to find this guy that we're told is basically this low level hitman for the KGB right, just that thug. in the very first scene Gangs the, spy, the, other. the spy says I always thought if I got ganked by the KGB it would be like someone actually really good and said I get you like some scrub you're not the best so we're told that he's some scrub but somehow he hides out for like a week with no one knowing where he is no one knowing where he is and whatever so all right so obviously the plot is um twisty and turny for lack of a better word that being said I know that you and I had some favorite scenes so let's talk about let's talk a couple minutes about the favorite scenes of the movie. Um, just in general, like like I said, I liked James McAvoy's character a lot. Um, I just liked his his kind of dirty dirt bag. Um, he just I mean, even in the trailer, when he comes walking out of that Porsche and he's got that jacket on and he just looks like he hasn't slept in three days. Like <laughs> there's just something like, yeah, this guy is going to be really interesting. And. Um, he didn't. He didn't go quite total lunatic with it. Um, but I think that that when he said when they established that that was kind of an act, I think that kind of cleared that up. I actually kind of thought that Charlize Theron wasn't 
nearly as sympathetic as a main character as someone like John Wick. Obviously, motivation is a part of that. Sure. Um, that being said, um, easily my fi- my f- listen. Should I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna say that the sex scene was great. <laughs> Straight red blooded American male here. I'm all for it. Love wins. Okay. <laughs> Not gonna apologize for it. Charlize Theron, Sophia Botella, you do you very well. Big fan. But the one-shot action sequence that is the centerpiece of this movie, some reviews have said, some of the reviews that we were looking at, uh, none of which were offensive enough for us to call out, um, but some reviews said that this one-shot action sequence, which is what, like eight minutes long, ten minutes Probably. long? Probably. Pretty long. Um is the centerpiece of the movie, and it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb because you have this huge, convoluted um, espionage plot, and then you just have this dope-ass fucking John Wick battle where she gets the shit kicked out of her, and she kills like eight guys. Basically, we find out how she got all the bruises exactly. we saw in the beginning scene. And she, I mean, and but the, that's the best part. But it turns from a it turns from a hallway fight into a room fight, into a car chase, and it's not all genuinely one take. That would be literally impossible to do, but the seams are, it's so seamlessly done, it's so well done, and that's the popular thing now is yeah. to do these action sequences in one take. Um, that's easily the best part of the movie. I mean, I don't think that's even a question. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, that's by far the best action scene. There's some other good ones in there. Um the the one when the police come in is is solid when Pretty she's good. got the rope. She it's doesn't nothing, kill anyone though. Yeah, it's nothing. She's kind of holding back. Yeah, it's not till the second half of the movie that she starts just straight John Wick <laughs> headshotting people. Um, especially the last scene in the KGB dudes uh, hotel. Everyone's headshots just around. She's like crazy Oprah headshots, handing out headshots. Um, but I I think you you definitely nailed. I think the best ones. I think the only other things I can think of is like I said. I think just the the music driven scenes are really cool um all the neon it is really fun uh the way it does it uh you got like three different versions of uh 99 left balloons yeah there's fast one <laughs> slow one there's uh, yeah there's a handful of those but um you know i think the the last thing i would say about it is um you know we talked about john goodman but there is something about when he takes these movies that like it just brings a certain level of credibility, like you said. But oddly it, uh, enough, it, I mean, it's still it's still weird because it's like John Goodman for the most part is known for his comedy, but I think his association with, um, like the Coen Brothers, yeah, um, and just seeing him do interesting shit, really, when he's in a movie, I'm interested. When yeah. he's when they're like, oh, he's going to be in Patriots Day like that means as much to me as like, oh, Kevin Bacon's in Patriots. Oh, I'm, oh, J.K. Simmons is. In, oh, shit. Like this is now suddenly a great cast. Or when he shows up in Kong, like it's like, wow, OK. Oh, oh, OK. John Goodman, a Kong movie. I'm in. So, yeah, I, I really even I mean, he just has he just he just is good. He just crushes it. Yep. Um. And the last thing that I'll mention before we wrap it up, and I, I know I, you had mentioned this a couple times, but Charlize Theron takes a beating in this movie. 
And I think that that's really cool because um, it doesn't play her up to be a superwoman. It's pretty realistic in the sense that even though she is one of she's this highly skilled agent, like she's still going up against six guys. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is no matter how highly trained you are, if you're a. 130 pound 120 pound whatever weight she is right she's not she's not big is what i'm getting at right woman no matter how great you are at karate and all that kind of stuff uh and how well trained you are at some point just size and brute strength and numbers is going to get to you a little bit and so like i said it kind of we talked about this earlier it kind of reminds me of the casino royale when we saw a different portrayal of james bond like Mm -hmm. james bond up to that point like it's not that he always won every single fight or battle but it was pretty light if he got beat up usually yeah he'd take a punch or something fall out of something you know whatever it be uh but we never saw him like significantly bleeding you know even like at the end when he has to (laughs) you're not sure whether even he's even alive at one point you know like he gets beat to the inches of his life. And there's the one scene in that one shot action scene that you talked about mm-hmm. where she ends up facing the blonde dude that apparently can't die. I'm trying to figure out this guy's name because he's like the the lead henchman. He's like uh it, he's like Dolph Lindgren. It might <laughs> like a mini Dolph Lindgren. He is. He's just got this this blonde, bleach blonde undercut. Yeah. And He's the lead henchman. He's always popping up. But I mean, we see him get stabbed with a set of keys that sticks in his his cheek where he doesn't even bother to take them out. Despite the fact that he has opportunities, he just keeps fighting. And then he gets jabbed like eight times with a corkscrew and then somehow (laughs) makes it down to the street and jumps on the car and And starts punching through the glass yep and then finally gets shot and run over and he's still not dead he gets up and she has to run him over for him to finally die which i I mean listen it's pretty great i'm not gonna lie i wanted a little bit more i wanted to see particularly i always i always when when you're gonna take out a solid henchman like that i want to see uh a body I always it's just I appreciate seeing a body and even that that was literally the funniest part of the movie not a lot of humor in this movie (laughs) pretty pretty you're not gonna have a lot of laughs pretty straightforward movie um but that him getting run over was was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie um as well that guy was great henchman uh they they did a terrible job on IMDB or or they I mean they really give him a name he was just the blonde henchman. Blonde henchman. And he was he, de- he deserves more than that. He deserves more than that. He deserves a, a good name. He does. So, so you know, whatever it may be, uh, you did a great job, blonde henchman. You were a wonderful henchman, and you went out like a champ. Really, really liked it. Um, but that is going to do it for us for this episode of The Popcorn Diet. So for The Popcorn Diet, for David Melhorn, as always, I am your Rick, I am your Rick Williamson. You're very, I guess I am your I'm Rick Ron Williamson. Burgundy? Your, your, I don't have a prompter. So it's, if, there, if there's no prompter, I, I don't know what I'm doing. If they put anything else on that prompter, I will say it. We are now entering the longest rap of our careers. It's gone, it's gone real dark, real fast. Um, for David Melhorn, I'm Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddies. We'll see you next time on another episode of The Popcorn Diet. Thank you all, everybody. Have a great one.